we're spending 40 days to focus on how we can better love like Jesus. And the reason we spend this kind of amount of time, five, six weeks, is because when we spend that amount of time learning anything and focusing on anything, we usually stick with it. It usually takes, takes uh, really a, a strong uh, hold in our lives, and that's what we want to do in this thing of love. And I think, as I've been uh, thinking about you folks, and especially as I get up and look at you this morning, I think it's working. I think you're far more loving than when we started this series. I think, I think you're getting it plugged into your lives. So let's continue that this morning, because the goal for us is to become world-class lovers, to love other people around us just in the same way that Jesus has expressed his love to us. That's our goal. Now, one of the ways I've learned that God builds our love is to test it. He tests our love. And he tests it by putting you around people that are kind of hard to love. Have anybody noticed that as we begin? Nobody? All right. <laughs> Be honest. He puts us around some people that are kind of hard to love. And I call these people VDPs, very draining peeps. Do you know any of those? Amen. Come on. Very draining peeps. And there's four kinds of these VDPs that we usually come up against and God uses to test our love. These are, there's very difficult peeps. Maybe you know some of them. There's very demanding peeps, very disappointing peeps, and very destructive peeps. And you're going to have all four of these kind of people come into your life at some time during your lifetime. Now, some of you probably already know, you've had some names already pop into your brain that are difficult peeps, right? Somebody that just, they're just hard to love. These people are the kind that are just always cranky. Difficult peeps are just hard to get along with. They're the kind of people that are obnoxious and they're just downright rude. Some of you just had another name pop up, right? Difficult peeps. And you probably know some very demanding peeps. These people are aggressive. These people are pushy. They're the kind of people who say, it's my way or the highway. It's my way or you could just leave work today. Very demanding peeps. You probably know some very disappointing peeps. These are the kind of people who make promise after promise after promise to you. But time after time, they fail you. You know some people that have disappointed you. You probably know some destructive peeps, people who actually want to hurt you. They might even set you up so that you can fall down. They're the kind of people who are hateful and hurtful. And yet, I want you to get this this morning. The bottom line is this. God wants you and me to love all four of these kind of hard-to-love people in the same way that Jesus has loved you and me. So how do you respond in love to these VDPs, these very draining kinds of people? Well, the Bible tells us four ways that love deals with each one of these four kinds of people. Take a look at this. The Bible says love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. And love keeps no record of when it's been wronged. So listen, when you build these four kinds of love into your life and you begin to apply these four kinds of love to these different four kinds of people, you will be on your way to loving others 
in the way that Jesus loves you. Now listen, there's lots and lots of difficult people. Have you found that out in life already? <laughs> there's lots of difficult people. And so, when I think about the difficult people that I see in, in our community and in our world, there seems like there's a, an increase in the frequency of rudeness. Have you noticed that? There's an increase in the level of rudeness coming from difficult people. Now, if I ask you, what form of rudeness irritates you the most, what would it be? When a difficult person is rude to you, what does that look like, and how does that make you feel? Now, this morning, I'm going to be a very vulnerable Pastor Larry, and I'm going to tell you some things that irritate me, things that I think are rude. But before I do, I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, one thing that I think is really, really rude, okay? But before you do that, I don't want you to say, pastors who ask me to participate in a service and talk to a total stranger is rude. So turn to somebody next to you and say, I think this is rude. Go, all right? Just take a minute. I think this is rude. <laughs> All right. I know some of you keep going for a little, little while, but here's seven things that I think are rude. And I'm going to start with number seven and go to my number one level of rudeness for me, okay? People who honk their horn the nanosecond that the light turns green. Like, that's really helpful. Really helpful, right? Number six thing that I think is rude is people who merge without a signal. I know, some of you, you don't even know there's a little handle on the left side of your steering wheel, right? You don't even know it's there. Number five for me, people who cheat at the 10-item grocery express line. I counted, buddy. Take a hike. Get out of line. <laughs> Number four for me, people who call me and tell me I've just won some new trip during the dinner hour. Amen? Ugh. Number three for me, people who leave church early before the offering. <laughs> number two for me, people who do the same as the last one, number three. <laughs> number one, people who ride my bumper and flash their lights in the carpool lane. There I am in the carpool lane. I'm doing 65 or maybe 68 or 9. You know, I'm not, I'm not going slow. I'm doing the speed limit, maybe three or four miles over the speed limit. But I'm in the carpool lane, and I'm going, and this guy comes up behind me, rides my bumper, flashes his lights like he wants me to get up and go faster and disobey the law, right? And he gets so mad that he crosses the double yellows. He goes out, passes me, darts back in, no signal, in front of me, just to be one car ahead of me. And then the next car, which is only 100 yards ahead of me, is doing what I'm doing, 65, 68, you know? Ugh. Bother you too? All right, I'm not alone. I think that's, that's kind of rude. Here's the big, big question of the morning. How should Christians respond to difficult people? How should a Christian person respond to a difficult person? First of all, write this one down. Be a person that is polite. You see, Christians have no right to be impolite. We don't. Because the Bible says love is not rude. Love is not rude. 
In other words, when they are rude, don't be a rude dude in turn. Amen? Don't be a rude dude in turn. Instead, when they are impolite to you, remain polite to them. That's giving them the same kind of love that Jesus gives to you. The Bible says this, stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or ever be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. Folks, love is not rude. Love does not yell. Love does not curse. Anybody ever do those things? Be honest now, you're in church, amen? Don't lie. Don't add lying to rudeness, okay? And cursing and all that stuff. One man said, rudeness is a weak man's imitation of strength. Some people say, well, Bob, Pastor, I'm just a frank person. I'm just a person who likes to tell it like it is. No, they're rude. <laughs> they're a rude person. Often, they are letting off some kind of inner steam or letting out some kind of inner frustration, and they're not using their words to build others up. They're not using their words to solve the issue. They're using their words to get their way. The Bible says a wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. Look at the words pleasant and persuasive. The more pleasant you are, the more persuasive you are. And so you might write this down in your notes. I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. When I'm abrasive with my spouse, with my kids, with my friends, with my store clerk, with anybody, I'm never persuasive. You see, you don't get your point across by being cross. Amen? You never get your point across by, by be, being cross, ever. And so how should you respond to a difficult person, be a person that's polite. The next question this morning is this. How should a Christian person respond to a demanding person? Write this down. Be a person that's selfless. There are some people who always demand others to do things their way. Their way is always the right way. Your way is always the wrong way. Always the wrong way. My way or the highway. And if you don't do it their way and if you don't meet their standards, they let you know about it in a strong way. But Christians are not to be selfish. We're called to be selfless. You see, the Bible says that love does not demand its own way. If you really love someone, you're not demanding that you get your own way. And Jesus is the very best example of this kind of selflessness. The Bible says this, your attitude should be the same. Look at that. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. So this scripture tells us that Jesus answered the call to serve when he could have demanded to be served. But he answered the call to serve. He chose to take a humble position. He chose to be selfless, not selfish. So whenever you find yourself dealing with a demanding person, follow the example of Jesus by being a courteous person, a humble person. 
The Bible goes on and says this, believers shouldn't curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. And I'm going, everyone? God, everyone? Even those demanding ones? Yes. Show courtesy. As a Christian, be considerate. Be civil. Be respectful. Yes, they are demanding. No, it is not right. But because of some background issue that they've not dealt with, they've got stuff brewing inside of them. Because of some battle that they're currently facing, they've got stuff brewing up inside of them. Because of some burden that they're currently carrying, they've got all this boiling up inside of them. And so they're being hard on everyone else around them. And it's not right. But that's when we need to have the attitude of Jesus. That's when we need to answer the call to serve. To take a humble position like Jesus and love them and serve them. The Bible says, do to others as you would have them do to you. As you would like for them to do to you. And that doesn't mean that you let somebody run all over you. Doesn't mean that you have to act like a doormat and let them walk all over you. So what do you do? Here's the key. You might want to write this down in your notes somewhere. Be tender without surrender. Be tender without surrender. See, Jesus was constantly demanding, being, dealing with demanding people, and yet he didn't surrender to them. He was tender, but he didn't surrender. He just kept loving them. He just kept telling the truth to them, and he kept being patient with them. Didn't yell, didn't get irritated. He was tender, but he didn't surrender. So how should you respond to a demanding person? Be a person that takes the attitude of Jesus. Be selfless, be humble, be a servant. The next question this morning is, how should a Christian respond to a disappointing person? Be a person that is gentle. Even though they've disappointed you again and again and again, be a person that's gentle with them. You see, the truth is, at some point, everyone in your life is going to disappoint you in some way. Some big way or some small way, they're going to disappoint you in some way. Your friends, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your boss are going to disappoint you. So how do you deal with disappointing people? How should you love disappointed people? Here it is. Christians are not to be judgmental, but gentle. You see, the Bible says this, love is not irritable. But pastor, you don't know <laughs> how many times they've disappointed me. How many times they've broken their promises. But love is not irritable. The Bible says each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on each other. Now, there's a difference between using good judgment and being judgmental. There's a difference. When you see something that's wrong, you've got to use good judgment and speak the truth in love. Folks, this is wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that. You've got to be able to see and point out the difference between right and wrong. But when you beat somebody over the head with the truth, you're being judgmental. When, when, when you determine what sentence they ought to get, you're being judgmental. You are to have good judgment, but not be judgmental. The Bible says this, gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. 
I like the way that the message paraphrase says that verse. It says, kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. So when you're disappointed by someone, choose to respond with gentleness. Respond with gentle words. So how do you respond to a disappointing person? Once again, be a person that's gentle, like Jesus. The last question this morning is this. How should a Christian respond to a destructive person? Write this down. Be a person who is pardoning. Pardoning. How do you love somebody who has intentionally hurt you? They've made a plan and they've intentionally hurt you. Folks, this is the hardest kind of person to show the love of Jesus to. Hardest kind of person to love like Jesus loves you. I mean, how do you show the love of Jesus to those who have determined to just be plain mean to you? How do you do that? It's hard to show love to a destructive person because when they've hurt us deeply, what do we do? We rehearse what they did in our minds over and over and over again, don't we? We rehearse it. And then we plan ways to retaliate, to get even for what they did to us. So when we get hurt, we start rehearsing and we just let it keep going around on the hard drive inside of our head. And we let it stay on the hard drive in our hearts. And we plan ways to somehow get even. But Christians are not to be resenting. We're to be pardoning. Christians are not to hold people captive for what they've done. But we're to let them go. The Bible says this, love keeps no record of wrongs. We don't keep a record, a list on our hard drive in our heads of what people have done for us. What's that mean? How should you respond then to people who hurt you? Well, here's what you and every Christian should do. Don't keep repeating the hurt. Don't keep rehearsing your retaliation plan in your mind. Instead, delete what they did from your mind. Delete it. Forgive it. In other words, love lets it go. Love keeps no record. Love hits the delete button, and love lets it go. What do I mean by that? When we get hurt, we tend to repeat it in three ways. We repeat it emotionally, first of all, like once again, rehearsing it in our minds over and over. The second thing we do, we rehearse it relationally. We, we, we create some kind of distance between us and that person. We drive a, a wedge in the relationship. Third thing we do, we repeat it practically by verbally telling other people what they did to hurt us. But all three of those ways to respond to destructive people are just destructive to you. When you are hurt, don't repeat it. Delete it. Love keeps no record of wrongs. God says it this way. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people but love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, be a person who pardons others. Don't repeat it in your mind. The Bible says, love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Be a person who pardons. Don't repeat it in ways like nagging. It'll separate your friendship. The Bible says, gossip is spread by wicked people. They stir up trouble and they break up friendships. Folks, if you gossip to others... Something about the person who hurt you. Are you really acting like a wicked person? The Bible says yes. 
Yes, you are. And God hates gossip. God hates gossip like he, he hates pride because that's what gossip is. The only reason people gossip is to make themselves feel superior to somebody else. Look at what they did. Man, I'm not as bad as they are. It's a prideful thing. So when you gossip, you're being prideful, and God hates pride and gossip, and he opposes the proud. Once again, be a person who pardons others. Don't repeat their wrong by verbally spreading how hurtful they've been. Folks, during this series of 40 Days of Love, what if we here at Canyon Hills decided that we're going to put a ban on gossip? Not saying that we've got a huge problem with this way, but what if we just said we're going to stop any gossip? It's just not going to exist here. What if we all said we're not going to listen to it, we're not going to share it? When somebody starts gossiping, we just say, you know, sorry, I just can't be a part of listening to this. I don't think this should be shared, and so I'm not going to listen to this. Because love keeps no record of any wrong. Be a person that loves others like Jesus. Be a person that pardons others like Jesus. The Bible says this, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. And I like these next words, and let it drop. Leave it. Let it go in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and that he can let yours drop. Amen? He can let yours drop. Now, we all know that forgiveness is not forgetting. God has not given us the ability to forget. We know that. But forgiveness is letting it go. So how do you do that? Well, it's kind of like this. Let's say you're on a hike up in the mountains somewhere, someplace beautiful you like to go. You're on a hike. It's a gorgeous, sunny, beautiful, cool morning. And you're walking through the mountains. You're smelling the pine trees. You're looking at the beautiful sky. And you come up on this lake, and there's this guy. He's out there just having the time of his life. He's fishing, and he's casting his rod and his reel out. He's just having a good time. And so you decide to stand there and watch this fisherman. And the next time he goes to, catch his, to cast his line, he goes back and his hook catches you right here in the arm. And it pierces into your skin. And it hurts. And every time he goes, what's going on with my line? It pulls on you. It hurts again. And it hurts again. And he's caught you. And he's hurt you deeply. Some of you are going, ooh, pastor. <laughs> I can feel the hurt right now. But that's what it feels like. And that's what happens when somebody hurts you, when somebody hooks you. And every time they do it again, it's like pulling on the fish line and it goes deeper and it hurts again. Now, the only way to stop the hurt is to take out the hook and let it go. It's the only way to stop the hurt is to really let it go. The, and it's the same with every person who hurts you. The only way to stop the hurt is to take out the offense and look at it and say, man, this is hurt, and it's hurt for a long time, and it's hurt me deeply, but you know what? I'm going to let it go. You look at the offense. You decide to take it out of your heart and out of your mind, and then you give it to God, and you say, God, I'm going to let this go. You know if they need justice. 
You know how to bring me justice better than I know how. God, if they need spanked, if they need disciplined, you know better on how to do that than I do. So God, I'm going to give it to you and you let it go to God. Amen? Oh, come on. Amen? You let it go to God. You let him deal with it. And you say, but as for me, I'm letting it go. Take it out. Give it to God. Pardon the one who hurts you. The Bible says this, love forgives all offenses. So today I want to ask you, which of the all have you not let go? Love forgives all offenses. Have you let every hurt, every offense against you go? Or are you still holding on to one? And every time that person does something again, you feel it piercing into you. And it hurts you again. I don't know what you need to forgive, but I do know this. I know today's the day. Amen? Some of you have been carrying a hurt and offense for a very, very long time. And you've let wedges come into relationships that need to be healed and pardoned and helped. And today is the day for you to let that go to God. As we close, I want you to think of the people who've hurt you in your life. And then I want you to take out the hook of hurt. And like Jesus, pardon them like he's pardoned you. Let it go. The Bible says love lets it go. So whether you're face-to-face this morning with some difficult people, you be the polite person. Whether you're facing a very demanding person, you be the selfless person. Or you're facing a disappointing person again, you be the gentle person. Or whether you're facing that destructive person, you step up and decide to be the pardoning person. Love lets it go. You be the one that offers the love of Jesus Christ to others that he's shown to you. Amen? Let's be that kind of person. Would you bow your heads with me? As I pray this prayer, would you consider praying it in your heart, repeating it after me in your heart? Father, help me understand how much you love me. Then help me to understand how much love that you will always have for me. Then help me understand how much you have forgiven me. Help me forgive those who have hurt me in the same way you've forgiven me. Father, today, help me let it go. Right here, right now. Help me to love others just like you've loved me. Father, that's the kind of people you want us to be. You sent your son to show us the example of letting people go, pardoning, forgiving. You now fill our hearts with yourself, with your love. Help us to pass that on to those around us. Let us be known as Christians, as a church in this community that loves like Jesus.
I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.